Welcome to Healing After Birth, a mindful podcast for mothers. This is a podcast for moms who want to explore matters of the heart and find meaning in motherhood. Are you struggling with motherhood? Are you having a hard time during the postpartum period? Did you have a difficult, challenging, or traumatic birth experience? Do you want to learn more about postpartum mental health? Join me, your host, Jennifer, author and creator of the Healing After Birth program, as I explore these topics and more during candid conversations with professionals and everyday moms like you. So welcome everybody to the Healing After Birth podcast. This is your host, Jennifer Sommerfeld. And today I have with me um, on our show, Kate Terza. And let me just tell you a little bit about Kate. She is a mom of three beautiful, energetic and loving kiddos, postpartum doula, president of East End Birth Network, Inc., and co-host of the Mom Deconstructed podcast. After experiencing a trying postpartum period after her third child was born, she began her training to become a postpartum doula. And since then, she's been providing support for new families as they transition into early parenthood. She's passionate about normalizing the postpartum period, creating community to support new families, and pulling back the curtain of what quote, real motherhood looks like. So you can uh, find Kate and the podcast on Mom Deconstructed, and that is momdeconstructed.com. And also there's the Facebook link, and there will be a Instagram link as well. And this will all be in the show notes. So I'd like to welcome Kate to our show today. Hello, Kate. Hi, Jennifer. I'm so happy to be here. Me too. I'm really happy to have this conversation with you. I think um, you're going to offer a lot to our listeners. And I would like to just let everybody know that I was recently interviewed on Kate's podcast. So we're kind of doing a back to back here, which is really fun and supportive of each of our work. So thank you again for your time. Yeah, Um, we were so happy to have you. Yeah, great. It was it was a deep deep conversation. So I'm curious how it all comes out in the waters. <laughs> um, so let's begin with um, a quote uh, that I read on your website in the on the about page, and I really think that this sums up what it is that you're doing in the world and what you're passionate about. And it says that our goal is to break down the walls that have formed between moms families and communities to begin to heal the rift that's caused so many moms to feel alone and isolated in this great big scary world of ours this journey of motherhood is uncertain enough and so you believe and it says here that open honest conversations are the place to start which is what what mom deconstructed is all about so Tell me a little bit more about your point of view on on the walls that have formed between moms. This is a big topic. Yeah, I think I, as I you said in my intro, I'm a mom of three kids. My oldest is nine, and I've to this day I still feel like that that judgment and feeling like I have to put my best foot forward uh, in the whole motherhood game wherever I am and it's all bright and sunny and wonderful and I we don't have true conversations with our community members so whether it's a mom at pickup or I don't know a mom sitting next to you in gymnastics or whatever the case may be or in the mommy and me class you look over and you notice that she looks like she's a little more put together than you and then you begin to spiral out of control and I think that in order to stop that and stop ourselves from feeling so isolated because the spiraling out of control then leads to the feeling of inadequacy and then it feels like you can't talk about things because you're the only one who's experiencing x y or z that's not ideal and then you start to just feel alone you keep it all inside and it's hard it's really truly hard to do this motherhood thing when you feel alone Hmm. because it's isolating enough being at home especially with young children and babies 
let alone not having anybody to lean on. Why do you think that this is happening um, today? I think there's a couple of things that contribute to it. I think the first is just the structure of most of our days. So most of us, especially women, are uh, 70% of moms are working now. So I think that that adds to it, that when we do see community members, such as other moms, we're running, you know, running to work, from work. We don't have time to actually sit and talk. We're just more... our most of our social interaction is now via social media. So there's not as much actual interaction, personal interaction. Families are farther apart. So our support systems, like our built-in support systems that for generations and generations have been supporting and helping raise young children are no longer there because parents and grandparents are either still working or they're not living near you. And, um, and I think that we also have this idea of the super mom, like our mm. cultures, it, it lauds like how many times do you hear oh, you're doing a great job or you you look like you have it all together or you're you're complimented that like oh you're so organized look at you you have the diaper bag all fixed like <laughs> <laughs> okay yeah but I'm also like falling apart but we so uh, everybody comments on oh you got your body back right after you had your baby you look amazing mm. you know all these things that really don't mean anything like Hmm. who cares if your diaper bag is organized who cares if you're back to your pre-pregnancy weight um but for whatever reason that's what people are commenting on and so then that's what we are fixating on and it's not the real true stuff Hmm. um and it's not making connection like we just the world is so busy now and with social the advent of social media it's not a replacement for the in-person relationships but it has become that Mm -hmm. And there's only so much vulnerability that you can truly give on your Instagram platform or your Facebook platform, because you really don't know who's going to see it versus if you're talking with one person, you're talking to a good friend, you know that you can be frank because that person, it's not like someone you don't know is going to find out about that. Hmm. I'd like to circle back to the comment you said about we're not really having true, honest conversations. Hmm. And um, in your experience and the conversations that you've been having with other moms and your perspective, what is a true, honest conversation? What would that look and sound like in the everyday? I think the uh, ambiguity of motherhood. So I think that that's something that a lot of women experience a lot of mothers experience and we don't actually talk about it sometimes motherhood downright stinks it's frustrating the day-to-day can be exhausting sometimes you feel under it all and we don't talk about that we don't talk about how okay yes everything the big picture stuff is fine the kids are healthy i'm healthy but man i am under it all i'm also taking care of an aging grand you know parent and i'm working and i'm doing this and i'm doing that and it just is heavy it's very heavy and we don't talk about that stuff we only talk about you know oh we made honor roll or whatever you know that kind of stuff and i think that um we really need to open up about that because that's what leads to the isolation so if i feel like i'm the only person who's really having a hard time with this whole motherhood gig and everybody else is, you know, blissful and running through the fields with their babies and it's all wonderful, then I feel like the odd mom out. And I don't, I'm not going to talk to other people. I'm not going to look to make friends. I'm not going to make that connection because Mm. I'm not the one, I don't feel like other moms. Mm. Yeah. Which um, pretty much we all can experience as a mother is that somehow we don't fit, we don't belong, we're different. They don't want to know, you know, what it is that I'm really thinking because I'm the only one who's really thinking this and I don't want to weigh down the conversation with my internal, um, what I would call like distress or my internal um, dis-ease, my internal shit. (laughs) Yeah, and I think we need to talk about our feelings too. Like Mm -hmm. we don't talk, we need to talk more about the feelings we went through going through whatever period we went, we're going through because mm-hmm. that's what we need to get off of our chest. We're already under enough stress. We don't then need to feel like we're the only mom experience, you know, who has a kid that doesn't sleep through the night at age seven or <laughs> whatever. Mm-hmm. Um, no, and so in your, sorry to interrupt. So no, go. Um, 
in, in the conversations that you've been having, are you finding that mothers are saying it's helpful to have these open, honest conversations with the mom sitting next to you at playgroup or at the swim class or whatever you're going right. to, um, you know, like, are, are they finding that to be helpful or is it, is it contributing to more frustration because it's like, oh, okay, so now we're all relating on this heavy experience of motherhood in which so many of us feel isolated um, in, and I always say it's because motherhood is not valued. Right. It's not, it's not put in, it's in my opinion, it needs to be in the center and it's way far out on the edges. Um, but that's a whole other conversation. I think that the women that come on our podcast find value from sharing their story, have either shared it before and found that they've been received well and have found kinship with those people they share with um there most of the women that come on are there as contributors to try and so because they remember what it was like when they went through this and they're mm. hoping by sharing their story people can connect and then it makes that person feel less alone because that's what they wanted when they were going through whatever they're sharing mm. so i think that in general we're still pretty closed in the in-person relationships but mm -hmm. i think the sharing of the stories through our podcast is these women are, sh they're sharing these stories so that people can find community through podcasting. So we're still, I don't feel like mm. our conversations are necessarily happening in real time as much as I would hope. Mm. I think they're still happening on social media and on obviously on our podcast because there's, a, there's also a little safety in putting it out into the ether and not knowing, you know, your best friend's not going to hear it or your mother-in-law is not going to hear it. Hmm. Yeah, it's so amazing that, that it feels scarier to share the truth with our closest inner circle, mm -hmm. right? Yeah, and I, the moms that we... I'm thinking of a couple in particular that are very vocal on all platforms and they like me have gotten into more nonprofit work and working with other moms because they just find the value. Hmm. So like there are so many moms that can value from hearing other stories. And if you don't connect, cause it is hard to connect. I mean, I'm an introvert shockingly hmm. enough. Um, and I have a hard time striking up conversation with people and getting, you know, right down to dirt and you nitty and gritty and down and dirty <laughs> with the, you know, the mom next to me in gymnastics or at the, you know, class birthday mm -hmm. party. I'm not going to just, but that, and that's, that's, but I do think that there is, you need to find people that you can do that with. So, you know, I know where I can actually, the people that I can go to and actually talk to, I have a support group that I go to, you know, I have all these things because I've, I've, I glean such value from it, but I also need it to be in a safe spot, which is hard to find. Mm. Right. And so Instagram or social media and podcasting is becoming this, the quote, safe platforms to express oneself. Right. Right. And, and it can also feel empty. Right. So, you know, as a podcaster, I'm sure you experience this too. You put it out into the world, but then, okay, it's there, it's <laughs> out. Sometimes you get feedback, sometimes you don't. And so you're sharing all this stuff, but it's like, okay, is anybody actually listening? So it almost makes it easier to share sometimes. Mm. Um, but, but like I said, I still value, people still need that in person. You need that person that you can truly be vulnerable with because I can't, I'm not sharing everything on the podcast. And there are plenty of women that come on that share extremely, extremely honest and vulnerable and raw f stories with us. But um, generally it's not the first time they're sharing it. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. True. Yeah, I, I, as I'm listening to you, I'm connecting to myself as a, as a young mother. So um, I have two adult children now and a 14-year-old. So 
when I go back in time and connect to the part of me that was having uh, two young ones 19 months apart and feeling completely overwhelmed with the amount of energy that needs to go into this role of motherhood, I was really lucky back then. First of all, there wasn't social media and I didn't have a computer and we didn't have cell phones. Mm-hmm. I think that it was like still flip phones day, right? <laughs> like it right. Was, I, I had a pager to get called to go to births. You know, it was like, that's not long ago, but it was long enough ago that the pace of things were very different. And the challenges that I dealt with were the same challenges that I hear mothers experiencing today. And there's a few added um, layers to it now. And, and I think what I'm kind of connecting to is recognizing that I had a community of mothers and, and we were at home. And Mm -hmm. so there's a difference between being at home with other moms who are at home. And I'm noticing this is much more rare today. Um, We definitely are more dependent on the double income family. And if a mom is at home, I will hear that most of their friends are not at home. And so that isolation is even more. If I would have been the only at home mom back then, um, I think I would have gone crazy not having a community to have these really real conversations because we dove into them. Every day was a conversation about how hard motherhood was, how hard it was to deal with toddlers, you know, sleep issues, feeding issues, mm-hmm. marriage issues, sex issues. Like we went into everything, public floor issues. This was before public floor health was around, <laughs> um, you know. Um, carrying our kids. And I basically spent most of my time driving around in a car with my babies and toddlers or riding the bicycles in our seasons when we could ride bikes and hanging out at coffee shops and actually chapters or indigo books um, with other moms. And this Mm -hmm. is where we also, you know, came up with business ideas. Uh, But I needed, I realized uh, how valuable having that community of mom motherhoods or of of mothers yet to bond over motherhood was and how rare it is today. It is extremely rare. And it is, depending on your location, it's hard whether working to find support groups or, or a group of moms that you connect with and can be vulnerable with that have babies around the same age. Because where I live, I live in a fairly rural area and it's extremely hard to get anywhere like me that you know I know I have a friend who you know may be home but she lives in the next town over but that's 15 minutes away Mm. and that with an infant 15 minutes is like can make a break whether you're getting out that day Mm -hmm. (laughs) and I think but I think that if we were if our culture was to shift more Mm -hmm. and like you said value motherhood where this was something that we, you know, there was a group that met five minutes from my house or 10 minutes from my house every week. Mm-hmm. And it was a drop-in thing. Then we would feel more connected. But where, especially where I live, where it's fairly rural, mm. you're hard-pressed to find anything. And that's that's the hard part. And mm. you're working. You also need support. Being a working mom is just as hard as being a stay-at-home mom. Plus oh, you totally. have the mm-hmm. added, you know, shuffle. Oh, yeah. Of the, you know, getting out. And there's so many other questions. There's different questions and Mm -hmm. they're equally difficult. There's not one that's better than the other. We've had women who are stay at homes come on to our podcast and talk about, you know, the frustration of being home and Mm -hmm. feeling stifled and not being able to feel creative. And then we've also had working moms come on that are just, you know, at wit's end because of all the shuffle yet they're creatively stimulated, you know, but mm-hmm. they're also feeling disconnected with their baby because they're working 40 hours a week. So the, there's no mm-hmm. correct answer and there's no correct way to do it at your whole mothering life. It can mm-hmm. shift and change. Uh, yeah. And it does. It does. So let's talk about valuing motherhood and from your, from your perspective, what does that mean and what would that look like? Uh, yeah, like if we could wave this, seriously, if we could wave the magic wand and, you know, we talk about placing motherhood in the center, but what does that really mean? Because this is the greater, this is what we're up against. Right. I think 
it's not just motherhood. I think parenthood needs to be, Mm. I think we can all agree that mothers are more of a disadvantage than fathers, but I think parents in general are much disadvantaged to obviously a single, and I'm not saying single, not, not partnered, but just like Mm -hmm. not attached, no children in the picture. And unfortunately, as we, most of us know, dual income families are much more common now than they were 20, Mm -hmm. 30 years ago. And our governments, especially here in the United States, I'm in the United States, has not caught up with that in the least bit. Um, There are some states that have like a maternity, a family leave act, but you you don't really get paid as much. Um, It's, there's, there's no, there's no governmental support. So I think that that's clearly something we need to work on. Um, I also think that there needs to be a shift in just how we view parenthood. I think that that needs to be, it's not a bad thing to be either leaving work or any of that nature to take care of your children. Children, child rearing should be the number one priority. I mean, I don't think there's anybody that's going to disagree that if we stop raising children, guess what? We're all that like the the human race is not going on. So Mm -hmm. we need to spend time Mm-hmm. raising our children but we don't have we don't have the support in place so we don't have programs governmental programs supplements for young families mm-hmm. which we definitely need we also just need a shift in the culture i think we need a shift in that it's not working you know the identity of the working mom is not wrapped up in the working mom it's wrapped up in whatever she wants it to be mm-hmm. um, so i think that we need to focus less on the quote-unquote success like what is successful Hmm. um i i i'm trying to think what else that i could i mean there's a lot that i could (laughs) that i want to change Mm -hmm. but i think the biggest thing would be we talk a lot about maternity leave and Mm. family leave on the program because most of i would say 60 percent, maybe even more than that are working in some capacity when that we interview Mm. on the podcast whether that's a work from home um, or, or work outside the home. Mm-hmm. And that is a real problem. Not having an income when you need the income to support your family mm-hmm. is it's virtually impossible. You can't take more than six weeks. If you could take three months, you're amazing. But you know, a lot of women go back in two weeks at some capacity because they need the income. They can't take that much time off. Mm-hmm. And I think that that clearly is extremely broken. I would agree. I, I mean, it's still shocking that in the United States they haven't adopted a more social, supportive, Ugh. yeah, um, you know, maternal programming like we do. At least in Canada, we do have an amazing um, maternity or parental leave, and some companies even top it up so that a parent will receive a full income for that entire year. That's that is. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and, not, no. and, and those moms still struggle with the same things that you're talking about. Right. Right. So it's mm-hmm. not, I it's think... not necessarily like, okay, so then you have a year and you have an income, maybe it's slightly less for some people. And then there's the whole adapting to I'm home for a year and I'm not at work and who am I? And I'm alone in my home with my kids. And then I need to go back to work. And then there's the transition of going back to work which generates a lot of stress because maternity leave runs out. Right. So there's a little bit more of a buffer, which is great if we're talking about um, how important, I mean, those primary years are so incredibly important for secure attachment. And if we look at it through, you know, the perspective of secure attachment, and like you said, we want to raise these children. We don't want to just have children. Right. I mean, I think the, other than governmental support and programs, we need a big change in just, and I don't know how to do it. <laughs> I, I, don't, I don't. I know. <laughs> well, I think, I think we can all have ideas. <laughs> right. Like I think we just setting that emotion is, is, is good. <laughs> yeah. And I think that um, we, that's part of the reason why we started the podcast and we mm-hmm. continue to do the podcast is to just change the way moms feel that you're not alone, that you are valued, that you, even if you're what, whatever capacity you are in, mm-hmm. you have value in this world. Yeah. And, and so I would imagine, and I guess to also experientially, you know, one of the challenges that um, 
parents come up against and mothers come up against in particular is, is okay. So if the external culture is not valuing my role as a mother is not placing parenthood in the center, but rather has completely disregarded the incredible importance of this, um, this very um, needed uh, energy, right? Like we need the time and energy Mm -hmm. to invest in raising these children. And so how do I then value this identity? How do I find worth in it? And, and this is where moms um, will need to have to access that for themselves to determine for themselves, regardless of the fact that everywhere around me, um, I'm, you know, I'm struggling, I'm told I'm not valued, you know, because I'm not supported. Right. And I think, I mean, I know, I don't know about you, but it took me a long time to identify myself as a mother to others. Like it was always like a side, Hmm. like, and I was like, I'm working and I'm doing this and I'm doing that. Oh, and by the way, I'm also a mom and that's shifted over the years. Now it's probably, that is my, that's my identity, Hmm. part of my identity. And definitely one of the first identifiers that I give when introducing myself and kind of explaining who I am, Hmm. but it took me a really long time to get there. I mean, Mm -hmm. I'm nine years in and I would probably say it's only in the past couple of years Mm -hmm. that that is, I am Mm -hmm. comfortable and confident enough in my identity that I, that is a part of it. And I don't feel less than, and I don't feel like I have to qualify it and, or quantify it or explain myself. Like I am a mother. That is a huge part of my life right now. So can you share a little bit about your journey then? What, what does struggling to identify as a mother maybe look like? Or what is it that you experienced through that journey? Right. I, I had, so I, I have three kids and they're all four years apart. Mm. Top to bottom, I there are four years between the the oldest and the youngest and then there's another one in the middle and I was a part-time I've been a part-time working mom I made the decision when I was pregnant with my first to move down to part-time mostly for our child care like we just didn't have child care set up for full-time mm-hmm. and I moved down into part-time and I was kind of younger of my peers I was 27 when I had my oldest maybe was it yeah, somewhere around there. And I was the first one of my friends, first one of my peers um, to kind of have a child. And so most people were focusing on their career when I was having babies. And so I definitely felt that I was, even though I desperately wanted a family and it was something that we had, that that was the plan. When I was talking to people that I, I knew didn't have children, I would kind of, it would be like, oh, I'm, I'm working, I've done this, I've done that. Oh, and like, I'm a mom and I have, you know, a two-year-old and a six-month-old or whatever. And then as I got older and in more into this mothering journey, I've just met more moms and more friends of mine have become moms and I am just secure. Like, it's not something that I need to hide anymore. I don't feel like I'm the only one having kids. Like everybody I know is having kids and I know how I felt and I don't want anybody else to feel that way about the fact that I have to hide that I'm a parent. Hmm. And so I definitely lead with that. I mean, I, it doesn't help that most of my uh, work now is in mothering. (laughs) (laughs) Hmm. And so if I'm hearing correctly, initially it was I still need to identify or relate to myself as mm-hmm. a career person or my value is in what I earn and relating to other people who are in you know pursuing their careers or their professions like that is what came first and motherhood was sort of by default or distracting or not even necessarily in the conversation to right. relate is that right okay. yeah yeah. And so coming into your identity as a mother, um, I'm imagining then was 
you could feel in your being the value of saying, first and foremost, my role is in raising these children. And secondary would be my passions, my career, my earnings, that kind of stuff. Yeah. So, and I also think that has to come with, as they get older, my kids get older, I feel like the parenting is, it's much different, but it's also, I feel like more intense. <laughs> like the, the lessons that I am teaching them are, you know, not that it was exhausting when they were young, exhausting mm -hmm. because physically exhausting because you're, you know, diaper change and feeding and you have three, I have three kids and it's like, it just was like, a, we were chugging along on a train. I feel like it was like an assembly line of like, okay, this is what we're doing. This is what we're doing. Now we're having big conversations. I mean, today I took two of my kids on a, a hike and most of the conversation was spent talking with one about how we need to figure out a way to change the way he expresses his frustration Mm -hmm. Um, and what were the ways we were going to do that and that, you know, and brainstorming that. And that's exhausting. Like it's mm -hmm. been, it's been weeks of having these behavioral issues with him and, and it's like, we need to have these big conversations and then the follow through. And mm -hmm. so it's, it's equally as exhausting, but different exhausting. And I think that because the parenting is more intense now, I feel like it's more intense because I need to focus a lot more on creating like good humans when they were little. It was just like, we're just getting through the day. Like you're alive. <laughs> mm -hmm. I'm not really worrying about how you're treating up here when you're six months old. Mm -hmm. Now at, you know, nine, seven and five, I care about how they're interacting with the world. And that to me is more, is very important. Mm. And I think that's part of the reason also why my, I feel very confident in, motherhood being an identifier because it is all consuming at this point and it is so important for me to create to have good humans going out into the world hmm. and we're talking a lot about what I would say are the invisible skills mm -hmm. of parenting you know that this energetic exchange that happens moment to moment between ourselves and our children requires an enormous amount of energy and attention and on top of that are all the other what we would consider to be more of the mundane um, taking care of our home environment uh, you know responsibilities that also require a lot of time and energy and attention and often are just um, just like a side note you know that mm -hmm. we it's just not considered in the equation. And so this is, as I see a part of valuing motherhood and parenthood is exactly like you said, having a deep value of wanting to raise good human beings um, and recognizing those invisible skills and being able to call them out, being able to name them because when they're, when they're invisible, then we don't know what we're measuring. We don't know how to actually say, hey, I've done a really good job. And if our only measuring, measurement tool is whether or not these humans turned out okay, <laughs> then, I know. then A, we're waiting a really long time. A very long time. The end goal is forever. Yeah. And we're placing a lot of external expectation on them right. <laughs> becoming something um, so that we can actually feel good about what it is all the all this like investment that we've done that isn't valued externally so hey children you better turn out okay so that I can feel good about the role that yeah. I've taken and on I don't right? feel like the last 30 years have been just a total waste of life <laughs> right so it's right so in those moments how can we value what it is that we're doing like hey I read this parenting book today um hey I you know was able to have this kind of really good conversation with my child today and they heard me and or hey I was able to manage my own um, inner temper today or right 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 uh, you know I actually called the dentist today or I you know was able to get all my kids out the door so we could make it to something on time like these very small things that actually add up and those are you know and they, when we forget to notice them I think they just I'm kind of rambling right now, but I, I, th I think I'm on topic, but you know that we No, just... I agree. I think we need to spend time noting what we're doing well 
and small things like you said like I I lost my temper with my one of my kids today and then I was like I took a shower by myself reset came out and we like we we both reset we had a conversation we moved forward and you lose I mean you you have to pay attention. Like I'm proud of myself for that. Am I a little disappointed in the way I initially reacted? Yes. But was, was it warranted to an extent? Yes. Like there is some stuff that like, is just not, not acceptable that you need to just like pat right down. Like this is not acceptable behavior. And sometimes you're like talking to a brick wall with children. Like, like, I don't understand why I'm not getting through to you, but then you reset and that's what, that's, that's what you did well today. And hopefully that's the memory they're going to have is that you were able to reset and talk to them about it. Mm. Do you find external resources to be helpful as you are navigating your own journey into motherhood? Yes, motherhood? I read a lot. Okay. A lot. And okay. Are, are there any um, on the top of your head that stand out for you as um, the parenting that I... Bible? Yeah. So I read it, um, a while ago, probably about a year ago, but I am still like, this is, it's, um, Oh, mm, hold on. Let me Google it before I, Mm -hmm. I'm assuming this is going to be edited. Oh, probably not, (laughs) but that's okay. (laughs) Hold on. To my listeners, I can just babble away. Well, Kate is looking up her I need to well it's either the title of of her book overwhelmed that's what it is okay overwhelmed by Bridget Schultz it's work love and play when no one has the time and it is something that I continue to go back to because she takes a really great look at um at motherhood especially and she is focused on the United States mostly but how how motherhood has just become so devalued and where we can kind of regain the value of that another one that I really love is like a mother by Angela Garbs and that I would say is more Mm -hmm. um definitely geared more towards like new motherhood I would say the first couple years of life it's about her journey into motherhood and it's a really frank telling of it and I just thought it was beautifully written and it was something that I wish I had had when I was in that early stages. I mean, it just came out maybe two years ago, maybe not even that long ago. Um, I haven't heard of either of those. So this is great. Yeah. Those are two really great ones. And then um, trying to think what the other one is called. There was another one I recently read that was maybe it was called the happiest parent or something, mm. but um that's one that I really enjoyed reading. She had older, the woman who wrote it had older parents, I mean, older children. And she was basically at the time that I am now became very frustrated with how their life was going where, you know, the sports and the, all the things with middle elementary school, mm-hmm. like middle school, early elementary, when stuff starts mm-hmm. getting wildly out of mm-hmm. hand outside of school and just like feeling like you're running, 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 running and how, to just rein that in. Yeah, because the children really... feel that too. Yes. So actually, so interesting. If I finally dawned on me, like a lot of these behavior issues that we've been having with one of our children um, was linked to like the beginning of school started mm-hmm. and we started a new sport for him. And that was three times a week. It was, you know, twice a week after school and then once a week on mm-hmm. the weekends. And he loves it. And I like, but I just think by the end of it, mm-hmm. it was just too much. Like he was running too ragged and so we are we have consciously made a choice for the next month to just not be doing anything after school for the Mm. you know for the next Mm. month and and bringing it back because I think that that's been a huge part like they just get so overwhelmed Mm. and even though as a parent sometimes it's easier to just be shuttling because then you're not having those big conversations Mm. Mm -hmm. you're not having the conversations about your behavior because going 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 going. Mm -hmm. yeah constantly going Mm -hmm. and so Sometimes it's nice to be busy, but then I feel like it always comes to a head and then you're needing to have the big conversations. And that's what the exhausting part of parenting is at this point. Well, you'll have to make a post on your podcast or blog about whether or not you noticed a a shift. Yeah, I was actually, you know what? It dawned on me just like the end of last week. And I was like, oh my gosh, I bet you that's what it is, Mm -hmm. is he is just over and 
I, I'm, I'm interested to see what it's going to, mm-hmm. what's going to happen. Are you familiar with Gordon Neufeld's work? I am not. Okay. Well, I will introduce you to a, a, yes. a excellent book um, and, and his work. He also has programs online. Gordon Neufeld is a Canadian child psychologist. He um, has written a book called Hold On To Your Kids. And there is a, a beautiful map in there that outlines. So, so first of all, he says like a healthy system, a healthy child, a healthy nervous system, a healthy parent um, requires three things. We need to be able to be playful, restful, and feelingful. I liked, I liked that last one. Um, in particular, that if we are running on an activated nervous system, meaning that we are dysregulated, we have too much energy, too much stressful material that's just ramped up and we, don't, we need to discharge it. And we've often not been shown how. And so he has this cycle of futility and I like it because it just is a map to understand what happens, especially as children, when we are holding too much stressful material inside of our nervous systems and we don't know where to put it. And so some of us swallow it and we internalize it. And this after time could move into self-harming behaviors or incredibly critical thinking. Um, and some of us then explode it, right? So we, we become aggressive mm-hmm. or we're aggressors. And these children are usually labeled as, you know, defiant disorders and all these crazy labels that we're giving children who have too much energy and are exerting it in an aggressive way. And, you know, so it's super simple in that, you know, he breaks it down to, okay, we need to drop into the feelingful meaning we need to find our tears, And when we can find those tears and have those tears supported um, by a very loving, present, calm, connected uh, caregiver, primary caregiver in particular, but any kind of caregiver, then we feel like that we can move that energy and we can restore our systems back to homeostasis. Oh my gosh, that is exactly it. Okay, I'm going to read the book because (laughs) what you just said is exactly what we've been notice like exactly what we've been experiencing and noticing that we just need to like we need to teach him how how to get it Mm -hmm. out and he is so amped up and you know all the exactly what Mm -hmm. you just said so I am going to add that to my my library list (laughs) bring a Canadian over there (laughs) yeah yeah no and these resources are so helpful um, as moms and these are things that moms can share right where you're wanting to have these conversations with more moms so that we can access these things um, and be able to support one another as we're trying it out. Right. And you need to, like I had mentioned before, like I read a lot and that's where I find a lot of my community through podcasting and reading. Like I'm not really huge on social media. Um, mm-hmm. I mean, I have a presence, but I wouldn't say that I'm very active on mm-hmm. it. Um, but I listen to podcasts, parenting podcasts, and I read lots of books, Mm. not necessarily all parenting, but, um, human interest and kind of that kind of thing. And that's where I find community because I'm learning from the characters and kind of what they're going through. Mm. And I just think it's so valuable. Yeah, I would agree. I'm going to shift gears a little bit, just as Mm -hmm. we're going to slowly bring our podcast to a close and, uh, I'm curious, okay, so we're not going to change the whole cultural viewpoint on motherhood, obviously, in uh, one one year, <laughs> one decade, <laughs> no. right? One conversation. <laughs> no. This is a huge systemic problem. I, I, I could go deep into it, but we're not going to do that on this podcast. And so um, in your experience, in your conversations with moms, what's been working so having these conversations is helpful. What, what else? What have they said to you? Mm. So I think what is working is being, reaching out and finding the support. So what is working? Hmm. When you're at the park, introduce yourself mm. to take it, be the awkward person. I mean, and I usually lead with that. Like, hey, this might be awkward, but I'm Kate. Those are my kids. 
And sometimes that leads to conversation. Sometimes that doesn't. They just might think I'm a weirdo, Mm. but that's okay. I don't, I don't really, I can't please everybody. But I think what is working is actually making conversation. Mm. So hearing stories, that's working. Sharing stories, connecting, Mm. that's still working. And we just need to do that more. And I actually do think that there is some value to social media, Mm. um, but I think that it takes a lot of cultivating to find the real value mm. and to get the feedback that you need. Because it's one thing to look, you know, to see a picture or whatever, but to actually have a conversation mm. um, that requires putting yourself out there, even to DM them. Like you have to reach out to them. Liking something is not going to get you the feedback that you want. You need to actually reach out to comment or something like that. And that is scary. Right. And I, but I think that that's still working. That's how people are are finding community is by other people reaching out or them reaching out themselves. And so that's what we just continue need to do. Mm-hmm. What do you think would happen if mothers and parents um, kind of committed to to the idea of introducing themselves, like these are my kids, and like leading with a question as simple as, Hey, how's this mother thing going, mothering thing going for you? Right. <laughs> you know, like, yes, like just opening with a, with that. And wouldn't it be interesting to hear what everybody gathers? Right. I think that I actually was talking to my co-host Liz about this. Like how, how do you cultivate other than introducing yourself? Hey, these are my kids. Like, you know, I'm Kate. How do you connect with someone? Usually it's, I usually talk about what's frustrating me, whether it's like my kids or my boys are wrestling over in the corner at the playground, like, mm, hey, those are my kids, <laughs> you know, mm-hmm. just kind of like breaking down the wall and you don't have to be self-deprecating, but just like being a little bit vulnerable. You could be like, oh, look, my kid's the one without the shoes on. Look at that. Mm-hmm. Like that always ends up starting a conversation because another mom is like, oh, she, she also is having a rough time. Like her, not that keeping your shoes on is a huge problem, but like she's, it's not all perfect for her. Like, you know, oh, her kid now has to go to the bathroom 30 seconds after they got to the park after, you know, she just went or whatever. So introduce yourself and then kind of point out the kind of flaws in the system. Hmm. Yeah. Did I lose you? Nope. Oh, you're here. here. Yeah. Um, is it, just listening to you talk, it, the term um, occurred to me, which was, you know, consuming less, connecting more. Mm-hmm. And social media is a form of consumption. Right. Know? And, you know, we can connect more, like you said, by direct messaging, which is risky. And um, But what would happen if we just shifted that slightly where we're, you know, am I connecting? You know, what's mm-hmm. my balance between consumption and connection? Yeah. And that, that actually, um, in the past six months, I've really dialed back social media and I used to not a lot, but I used to, you know, scroll. And now when I catch myself doing that, why, why? I'm not even looking, like I'm not even consuming. I'm just scrolling. <laughs> so I've really, you know, no, mm-hmm. I'm not. And I'm, I've turned to texting. So Mm-hmm. The advent of texting has helped my motherhood mm. connection significantly. Um, and I text people mm-hmm. instead of go on social media. Like that's how I connect. And I have like a group of like five or six moms that like when I'm having a bad day, I know I can reach out to them mm. and they can commiserate with me. Um, so yeah, you can yeah. find ways. Yeah. Maybe we can just put that out there to our listeners and invite them to consider, you know, what, what can you do to connect more? What one thing would you change that would help you connect more? Yeah. And unfortunately it's up to us. Like mm-hmm. it's not, no one's going to connect. No one's going to do the connecting for you. No, you have to do it for yourself. So you have to make a conscious effort to do it. Mm-hmm. It's definitely not passive. Yeah, you know, I'm going to close with this question. Um, just curious if there was a, a, a deep, passionate message that you would like to 
you would like parents to hear, you know, your kind of last words, <laughs> mm. putting, putting the weight on you, you know, that mm. you would want this message to go out there for mothers, for parents to hear, for them to consider, for them to embody. What would that message be? Mm. You can take a moment. There's no pressure. So um, I think that there's, there's a couple of things and it all ties into what we've talked about today. One is that you're not alone, that you are not doing this parenting thing alone, no matter what you think. There are other people out there that you can lean on to be vulnerable mm. and connect and do take it upon yourself to connect and, and understand that sometimes the connections won't be fruitful, but that's okay. Keep trying because eventually they will. And you'll find a group of people that will be supportive. And I think lastly is just sharing your story. So going back to the vulnerability part and leading with the, Hey, how's your momming going? Like you mm. had said, um, mm. or how's your, how's your parenting going these days? Because I've noticed X, Y, and Z going on for me. And I think that connection, that's the only way that we're going to feel less isolated. Mm. Yeah. And so your kind of mission is to shatter isolation. Mm-hmm. That we're all in this together. Mm-hmm. Well, it was great having you. Um, and having this really nice, fluid, candid conversation, Kate. I Thank you very much time. for having me. I am. I love talking about it. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I can tell, which is wonderful. And I will make sure that your podcast and all of the links and even the books you mentioned, I'll put the, all of those in the show notes. So our listeners can head over there and join your community, which I think is fantastic. That would be great. Thank you so much, Jennifer. You're welcome, Kate. It was a pleasure. Okay.